This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, Oakland's warehouse art scene and how it changed after the deadly ghost ship fire. Reporter Rachel Swan is here, and she dove into the city's artist community and found something surprising. While the city cracked down on unsafe warehouses because of that fire, the bigger change in those spaces happened for a very different reason, the legalization of marijuana. Rachel Swan, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Rachel Swan, thanks for coming back. Thanks, Damien. Rachel, you are here because we've been covering the ghost ship trial for the last few months. That's the trial of two men who are accused of manslaughter in that terrible December 2016 fire. And we asked you to go check in on the warehouse scene in Oakland, which came under such scrutiny in that fire. What did you find out about what's happened in that scene since the ghost ship? We found something, my co-writer Sarah Ravani and I, found something that probably shouldn't have surprised us, but actually did surprise me a little bit. Um, we, well, not too surprisingly, we found out that these warehouses that have so long been part of the fabric of Oakland are disappearing. Um, cheap space isn't as cheap anymore. You can't find as many of these abandoned buildings. But what we also found is that a lot of them are going to cannabis operations. Now, I guess the surprise there is that in the fire, there was sort of a crackdown. There was questions about whether people should be living in these unpermitted spaces. And so the biggest question was to ask, how did the city do in that? But what you found is that it's not only the city that changed, uh, it's the market for these warehouses. Yeah, and the market in many ways changed. Some people actually have told me <laughs> that um, the city's response ultimately kind of it eventually quieted down and went back to the kind of turning a blind eye again. Um, but the market has really changed. Um, there's a whole green zone now that encompasses much of this, you know, industrial savanna of East and West Oakland, where there's not really a lot of residential homes, but there are these kinds of old buildings that once were foundries or canneries or steel mills or paper shredders or what have you that artists were occupying in the 80s and 90s and it was a place for them some of them to live and some of them would to just toil away at their weird stuff at their weird like burning man art cars and mutant you sure, know sure. weird things um and now that space is just has gotten to be a lot more expensive and what kind of cannabis businesses are we talking about oh we're grows talking about 
Oh, we're talking about everything. Um, but yes, we are talking about grows. Um, the kinds of businesses that compete directly for this type of space, indoor grows. I guess you'd call them grow houses. But you know what? what's also interesting is some of these spaces, like uh, one of the warehouses I looked at was in East Oakland um, called NIMBY. It actually was like a kind of a well, well-known um, like bohemian place, like for that scruffy kind of Burning Man, Bohemian type, you know, um, started in 2004. Um, it's it's specifically a work studio, so only one person really lives there, and um, mostly it's it's a place where people could make props and make their weird crap, you know. And they yeah. collected, but a they lot were of moving stuff. out when you were there. Yeah, and they're right between two cannabis operators already. Um, yeah, actually, one shares the property. Um, and, um, I guess what, what got me talking about them in the first place is, so they have a warehouse that used to be a paper shredding company, but they also have this big yard, right? And it's full of like weird vehicles and crap and, you know, stuff excavated from carnivals and this and that and the other. Um, and it used to be like dirt cheap, like just deeply discounted because there was no type of business that would want just a big old like weed choked lot, right? Sure. But now cannabis operators want that type of space for greenhouses. Okay. So those things now cost money as well. All right. So before we get into it, I want to talk about more about the pot um, industry, the pot economy in Oakland. Obviously, Oakland is a leader in that and has tried to be. But first, can you take us back even beyond the ghost ship fire and just describe kind of for people who don't know the warehouse culture in Oakland? What does it look like and why is it important to people? Yeah, I mean, there, there's there been, like, a generation of kind of, like, funky art scene in Oakland, right? Like, people buying, like, cheap space and using it to, like, make or, like, make, make, make stuff, you know? And, like... And often live there as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I also live there. Um, and I guess you could say, like, when the first... Like, I don't know, in my mind, Oakland started getting gentrified, like, late 90s, early 2000s-ish, you know? Um, And obviously, the first shock troops of gentrification are artists, right? Um, Before there was a real downtown scene, right around the time former mayor Jerry Brown did his, like, 10K plan, there was, like, a gallery. There were storefront galleries. There was, like, there were warehouse parties everywhere. I mean, it was, like, Oakland was really funky, and it had this edge, you know? And, um, you know, up until the time when Mayor Libby Schaff came in, I mean, she came in. Obviously, like, she didn't necessarily campaign on this, but part of her whole image was she was a protector of the art scene and she had an inauguration party at this warehouse called American Steel and she rode this fire-breathing Burning Man snail car around Lake Merritt, you know. (laughs) So it's part of Oakland's image, right? Okay. Then the the fire comes along, this terrible fire. It was a a party. It was an electronic music show. 36 people died in the wake of that. Um, there was a lot of blame to go around as to whether the city should have done more to make sure people didn't live there. It was a, basically a completely unpermitted space, right? Mm-hmm. Unsanctioned party. Um, what was the discussion? And in the immediate aftermath, what did the city do? And what did other cities do 
I mean, whether in the immediate aftermath, there was Oakland's version of a crackdown. Oakland officials would never call it a crackdown. You know, they're very, very sensitive about that. But there was there were definitely building inspectors, um, fire marshals going to check out these spaces. For instance, if you will indulge me for a second, um, right after Ghost Ship, I happened upon a space called the Death Trap. It was just... <laughs> I remember. We had a very unfortunate name. That was kind of an inside joke. But it was I called remember the when death- you pitched that st- <laughs> it was, story, okay. I said... <laughs> it was called the Death Trap. Well, you actually found the Death Trap. Kind of stu- stumbled upon this, right? So photographer and I, I can't remember how we found the address. Somehow we found the address. We drove there. There was a fire marshal standing at the doorway when we got there. Wow. So that's the kind of environment that Oakland was right after Ghost Ship. The city was finding and uncovering these spaces, not necessarily shutting them down, but a lot of them were getting shut down because landlords were freaking out, you know, and um, preemptively evicting people rather than bringing things up to code. Um, so it wasn't just the city taking action. Landlords were also just yeah, booting people out. Yeah. And some were brought, I think you write, some were brought up to code. Some were, there yeah. was a compromise. Yeah, the city, I mean, the city really, this was like a very sensitive issue for Oakland and for the mayor who was kind of taking hits from all sides, right, after Ghost Ship, right? Um, so, you know, but the city was really... To its credit, Oakland was working to find code violations and then work with property owners to bring buildings up to code. Um, I recently read a point where they said, you know, they found 32 such buildings where people were illegally living. Um, and eight of them were ultimately permitted and brought up to code. And But most of the cases remain, quote unquote, unresolved, meaning they still aren't up to code. I mean, the problem is it's very expensive to bring buildings up to code. It's very hard. Sure. You know. Sure. And from what you were able to learn in the aftermath since, was the ghost ship warehouse uh, more of an outlier or did it represent what a lot of buildings were like? Um, I mean, it's it's really hard to say, to be honest. And, like, some people would say Ghost Ship was an outlier just in terms of, like, the crazy, you know, menagerie inside the building and, like, all the crap that was blocking was all the exits. Wood, and there was, yeah, there was weird cords. wiring, everything. Yeah. I have this traumatic memory going back to the year 2011, 2012. Uh, going to a play, actually. It was a play. It was a boho play at this place called Ghost Town Gallery, which has since been cleared out. Um, And it was the kind of play where they took the audience like from room to room to room in this huge warehouse. And one room I distinctly remember, this was way before Ghost Ship, anything, one room was like in kind of a basement and they packed it and it was full of freaking candles, full of candles. (laughs) And they had, and the doors were closed. And I remember like getting heart palpitations in this room watching this play and thinking, oh, my God, I hope no one knocks over a candle because we'll all be dead. And there were like 40 people in that room. So, you know, point being not like, a total outlier, not a total outlier. And you notice like a lot of people went to that party like they didn't think twice about it. There were a lot of places like this. Going back to where we are today, Oakland, obviously, there's so much going on in terms of the economy, yeah. housing. Um, the city has, as you said, Uptown is as has risen. Um, it's become a pot capital. 
Um, so tell us about kind of the market forces in these neighborhoods where we're seeing uh, the warehouse become pot businesses. Um, okay, so I have heard talking to industrial brokers and property owners for this article that industrial rents have really risen by quite a lot. They're up to $1.20 a square foot is the price I heard anecdotally. And they used to be like, you know, half that much. Three, You know, they used to be really dirt cheap. Um, the thing, Not all of that is coming from cannabis. Um, I've also heard that e-commerce companies like I would think Amazon. I mean, they want to set up distribution centers, particularly in Oakland, because it's near the port and the Bay Bridge. Sure. And there's this new, you know, self-imposed edict to have one day delivery everywhere. Um, so it's not all coming from cannabis. But the thing about cannabis is that um, property owners can charge cannabis a premium because it's so risky, because there's the risk of a federal raid. Also, these company, you know, pot operators, they can't secure bank loans that also makes them risky. So um, when a property owner rents out to a cannabis business, they charge 2 to $5 a square foot. Wow. Um, artists just, I mean, I talked to artists who say their rent just, when their lease went up, their rent just quintupled. And again, you know? the same zones that are sort of hip for artists, yeah, industrial areas are the same ones where they've permitted the green zones. Exactly. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. Because cannabis... Um, it can't be in residential areas. It can't be near schools. Um, so it's basically this. Yeah, exactly the same zones where we had, you know, what used to be popular warehouse destinations like American Steel, the Noodle Factory. Okay. So last question: If the artists are finding that a lot of the warehouses are they're being priced out of them, yeah, um, where are the artists going? One guy I talked to, the founder of the NIMBY warehouse in East Oakland, he's moving to Doyle and he's moving his whole operation with him to Doyle. And Where's they're essentially, Doyle? it's in Reddit. It's like Lassen County. Okay. Like, so they found this ghost town and they're moving their little Oakland warehouse scene to this ghost town. And he like bought a cafe, his friend bought a bar. And like, you just imagine this mini Oakland in this area where like the most popular thing was like lizard racing. Um, uh, gentrified Doyle yeah. might be your next, <laughs> another, uh, next story. Another person moving to Auburn, Colfax. Some people are one person, a leather crafter I talked to is going to work out of his car. Um, some people might work out of their living rooms. Um, some people might rent out garage space from a person who has a home garage. You know, so it's really it's really going to scatter. Yeah, the, and it might be you know it might change Oakland forever, right? I mean. Might change Oakland, might also, you know, Oakland's art scene might self-deport to Auburn. Rachel Swan, thank you again for coming in. Thank you so much. Thanks to reporter Rachel Swan for joining us, to King Kaufman and Erica Carlos for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. <laughs>